0: Father God, by uh, your spirit, would you warm our hearts that we might know more fully, experience more deeply the love that you've shown for us so wonderfully in the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. On the 27th of May, 2005, two Japanese men, uh, Japanese soldiers, came out of the Filipino jungle. They'd been living completely unaware that the Second World War had finished some 60 years earlier. Yoshio Yamakawa, who was 87 at the time, Tuzikzi Nakoshi, 85 at the time, had holed themselves out in the Filipino jungle, assuming the Second World War was still going on for years and years and years. When the war actually actually had been on, they'd been involved in really fierce fighting in in the jungle, about 600 miles north of Manila, uh, hand-to-hand fighting with the U.S. soldiers. And when the U.S. soldiers had had gone, they just just stayed there. They were so terrified of being court-martialed for desertion that they hold themselves out and assume the war had still been going on. It's a sad story, isn't it? Two men who could have been enjoying peace for sixty years, but instead they were holed out in the jungle, assuming they were still at war. They'd they'd missed the complete change in in the world order and assumed they were they were still at war rather than at peace. You see, the the moment we, we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, there is a complete new world order in our hearts. Things have completely changed. And yet it it is possible to live a little bit like Joshua and Suzuki, as if we're we're holed out of the jungle, missing out on something of the whole new world order that's true of us in the Lord Jesus. We see something of that that new world order in in the first couple of verses. If you close your Bibles, open them back up, look look at the first couple of verses of of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see there are three things that are true of us, this, this new world order that's come into our hearts. The first, can you see it in verse 1, we, we have peace with God. No longer hostility, no longer marked as God's enemies, but peace with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. But not just that, can you see more, more too, verse Verse 2, we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This new world order, we, we have access to the Father and our relationship with him is marked by grace. We're in a relationship where we wake up day by day and there's nothing we can do that the Father might love us more. That's the new world order. But there's more still. Can you, can you see it in, in verse 2? the end of verse 2, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. uh, The new world order, our our great hope as those in Christ is those who one day will enjoy and see and savour fully the glory of God. It's as if at the moment we sort of sit underneath a banqueting table and the little morsels drop down and we, we get something of it, but one day we'll take our seat at the banquet and we will enjoy the full glory of God. No more sin and sadness and sorrow that, that just makes it more shadowy. But one day we'll enjoy in full what we enjoy just as a taster of now. You see that the new world order, peace with God, access to the Father in a relationship marked by grace. There's nothing we can do that God might love us more and a great new hope. And yet, it seems here's, here's the problem to me. We hear that Sunday by Sunday and then we wake up on Monday morning and life just slaps us around the face. We, we wake up and, and we've got a, a tough week at work. That difficult relationship is still strained and, and still wears on us. The boil is still broken. It always seems to happen in November, doesn't it? That sin that's stalking us is still there. We're still battling with it. And all of a sudden, verses 1 and 2, this this new world order in our hearts can feel pretty distant. It's like we're holed out in the jungle with Yoshua and Suzuki, missing out on the peace that we might enjoy. And and doubts start creeping in, don't they? We find ourselves thinking, can I be sure this is all right? What if this this hope disappoints me? Well, Paul anticipates just that. Have a look down at at verses 3 and 4. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Notice he's he's not saying we rejoice for our sufferings. He's not saying there's some kind of pleasure in going through pain. We're not modern day Stoics who say, Yippee, I'm having a tough time. We're not kind of calling for that, you know, the evangelical smile that someone says, How's things going? You say, Great. And the reality is your life's falling apart. That's not what is being talked about here. No, we rejoice in our sufferings because we can we can see through them to a greater reality. Do you see what sufferings can do in us? They produce perseverance and character and hope. And that hope does not disappoint. Do you see what these verses say? There is on offer for us a sure and solid hope, a hope for Monday morning. Because there are two truths that we can cling to. Two sure, solid truths that we can stand on when doubts creep in. And, and here's the first. Christ died for his enemies. Today's a day where we, we rightly remember and honour those who paid a great sacrifice for our country. Men and women who, who gave their lives. Men like John Arthur Abbott man who died early early on in the war, only been married two years earlier to Gertrude on the 26th of December 1912. Men like Arthur Robert Lovick, who died right at the end of the war, again married just before the war and left behind two children, one of whom was just months old when he died at war. It's right, isn't it, today, that we remember men like that, and we honor them, and we thank them for their sacrifice. You see, in verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Every now and then, we see it in the Great World Wars. Men and women who were willing to die for others. And yet, can you see how much greater Christ's death is? Look, look at verse 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See how, how his death is a death for his enemies. Look, look back at verse 6. Notice how, how without Christ we're described. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. See, without, without God, without being in Christ, you see those three things that it says in 6 and 8 that are true of us? We are powerless, ungodly, and sinners. Powerless, morally powerless. We can't sort of pull our socks up and make ourselves good enough. No, we're powerless to do that. We, we can't make ourselves good enough for God. We're ungodly without God. We're sinners. Without God, our life is marked by sinner, a deliberate running in the opposite direction from our creator and enjoying all the created things that he gives us. That is who we are without God. Powerless, ungodly, and sinners. It's a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? And yet, do you see, it is just in that state that Christ dies for us, whilst we were still sinners. See, it's Not as if the Lord Jesus waited until we'd sort of pulled our socks up a bit and and improved ourselves, given ourselves a good clean up and then then he dies for us. No, he dies for us as we are running in 180 degrees the other direction. God demonstrates his love for us in this. Whilst we're still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here and you're, you're not yet a Christian, we're delighted you're here. Please keep coming. You see, can you see uh, as you look at this passage, the extravagant, costly, extraordinary love of God on display for you. The love of God that, that is shown in the Lord Jesus' death, that you might enjoy a whole new world order in your hearts, peace with God, access to a relationship with the Father, marked by grace, and a great new hope. If you are a Christian here this morning, I wonder, I wonder what you do when, when Monday morning comes around and, and doubts creep in and you find yourself thinking, can God really love me? Can he really love me? Because I know what a mess I'm making of my life. When his love feels cold and distant and we, we feel like we're holed out in the, in the jungle. Well, look to the cross. Cement, verse 8, in your minds. Draw it to mind at those times when you, you find yourself thinking, does God love me? Say to yourself, God has demonstrated his love for me in this. Whilst I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ died for his enemies. And here's the the second truth for us to hold on to. Christ keeps hold of us. Christ keeps hold of us. Look look down with me at, at verses 9 and 10. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So there's a second objection that's, that's being answered here, a second doubt that might creep in. Maybe you find yourself thinking, am I, am I ever going to get to heaven? Will I, will I make it there? Can I, can I be sure that I'll, I'll make it to the end? Well, these verses help when those thoughts creep in. And you notice twice in those verses the, the phrase, how much more? Here's, here's the two arguments that are, that are being weaved together. The first is this. If, if God is able to save you when you're his enemy, then how much more will he save you? Will he, will he keep hold of you now that you're his friend? He, he rescued you when you're running away from him and you're his enemy. How much more is he going to keep hold of you now you're his friend? Here's the second. If, if Jesus achieved our salvation through his death, then how much more will he keep hold of you now he's alive? He rescued you as he, as he died, and he's, he's now alive. Of course he's going to keep hold of you. How much more will he keep hold of you now? Here's how Tim Keller puts it. God who opened heaven to us will ensure that we arrive there. You see, when we... Find ourselves feeling like Joshua and Suzuki. We feel like we're held out in the jungle and we wonder if there really is peace. You see, there are two solid truths we can hold on to. Christ died for you, his enemy. Hold on to that. And Christ will keep hold of you, he will get you to the end. So, as we finish, look at verse 11. We can rejoice. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. So rejoice in, in your reconciliation. <laughs> Let me just mention three ways in which you might uh, live that out. Here's, here's one. Uh, what do you do when you face criticism? The natural response is to kind of put the defense barriers up and, uh, and, and, and say, no, that's, that's not right. Now, in those moments when you face criticism, rejoice in your reconciliation. Remind yourself that I couldn't be more loved. I know that's true because of the cross. My core identity is that I am a loved child of God. And I'm going to get things wrong now, and that's okay. I want to get better. But this criticism, whether it's fair or unfair, doesn't change who I am at my core. The most essential thing about me, I am a loved child of God. Here's a second. When you discover a surprising character flaw, perhaps... You suddenly find yourself showing absolutely no self-control in a situation. And you're, you're surprised by it. You didn't see it coming. Or suddenly you're in a social setting and you find yourself overwhelmed by fearfulness. And you think, why am I feeling like this? What do you do at those moments? Rejoice in your reconciliation. Christ died for me, remind yourself. His blood can cover a thousand worlds filled with people a thousand times worse than me. Rejoice in your reconciliation. And here's the last thing. When you face death, when you face death, know that you are going to a friend if you're in Christ. As we face death, we know in Christ that we will then fully enjoy the peace that we find ourselves doubting and questioning. We'll fully enjoy the glory of God. It won't just be a hope, it'll be a reality. We'll be at the table, enjoying it fully. I'm going to invite the band up, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. So, Ben, if you'd like to come up. Let's pray together, and then we'll go straight on to sing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame that is any structure or security I put up outside of the Lord Jesus or anything in myself, but rather wholly trust in Jesus' name, his death, his bloodshed that reconciles me to God. Oh man.